Welcome to Print City Podcasts. Um, I'm Peter Goff, and I'll be the, the host. And if I just pass to my right. Hiya, Craig Banks, uh, Professor, Academic Lead for Print City. Uh, is that me? Yes. <laughs> Ed Keefe, uh, 3D Print Manager for Print City. You're not reading that off your phone, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. I've forgotten what I do. <laughs> I'm Phil Cotton, a teacher and founder of LearnByLayers.com. Okay, thanks. So just to... Uh, um, wrap all that up. Our, our guest is, is Phil Cotton, as he just said, um, founder of Learn by Layers, which uh, launched in 2017 as a project to help teachers. And not even a year later, Phil, it's uh, over 13,000 students, 3D printing with 22 schools engaged and in nine countries. So you've been teaching 3D printing for five years. You're a lead STEM educator. You're educational excellence winner at 3D Print Show in 2013 and 14. And as we spoke before, you're off to Singapore as a STEM ambassador as well. Quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, you make me sound really good there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it has been a, an incredible journey um, since, since just getting a 3D printer in the classroom um, years ago. So, yeah, on that point, in October, I'm uh, presenting at the uh, International STEM Conference uh, organised by Technology Supplies uh, out in Singapore, which will be which be pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, but yeah, the, the, it's it's been a busy a busy few years. I'm with three D printers. Uh, there's, there's a lot of demand for it in education. Um, so it sort of um, all kicked off when, when got the first three D printer. Um, probably I think it's about 2012. I'm um, yeah, didn't really know what to do with it. Just just got it in the classroom. I thought, right, what what do we print on it? Um, and we, we first thing we printed was an iPhone case uh, for an iPhone four. I um, showed the kids it; they they were yeah, they were all over it. They loved it. And then next week we we started printing, uh, designing, and printing iPhone cases. They sort of just uh, snowballed from there. They on the on the educational excellence um, award that was the three D print show. Um, I think it's twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Um, they they sort of were promoting 3D printing within the UK, put on some great shows down in London, um, and they, they set up a series of awards and, yeah, was 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 privileged enough to get the award for two years, which, which was pretty good, created a lot of exposure. Um, school got some, some good uh, good prizes from that, you know, a, a 3D printer to use. Um, and then since then, it, it, it's just sort of carried on. Um, three years ago, started working with the National STEM Centre, um, which which has been fantastic. Uh, they're based up in York, uh, now called uh, National STEM Learning. The aim behind that was to um, set up a 3D printing course to uh, educate teachers on how to start 3D printing in the classroom. Because in the early days, um, very little support for teachers. Um, so what STEM Learning had set up or, or wanted to set up was a programme uh, where teachers attend um, attend the, the National STEM Centre and then they basically go away after two days um, knowing how to start 3D printing in the classroom. Um, so that's been going three years now. Um, we've, we've done it about eight times. A lot, lot of success, a lot of teachers attended. It's gone out to a lot of, a lot of kids in, in a lot of schools, um, which, which is fantastic. Um, and then on the back of that, yeah, Learn by Layers was, I set that up uh, in October. I, I previously worked on setting it up all summer uh, one of the one of the perks of being a teacher is you get your get your six weeks off in the summer um so those six weeks were spent developing learn by layers and launched it in october Re- really 
didn't know what would happen with it. I um, and within within 24 hours of it being launched, a school had bought in um, in Australia. So sort of thought, right, this is this is quite interesting now. Um, and then, yeah, six months later, it's 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 in nine countries, in 22 schools. Um, got a partnership with Kodak. Um, partnership with GoPrint 3D, who who you work with here as well, and. Um, it, it, it's going from from strength to strength. So, it, it's been a busy a busy time, um, but it, it's really exciting at the moment. I think it's important to remember as well. It's your your day job is still a teacher, so this yes. is stuff you do. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I think we all have yeah. that time between when you get home and when you go to bed. There's lots of stuff to do. I know Craig is an absolute machine. Uh, I think you're about four hours a night or something for you. So, you know. uh, so, so I think before we go any further, I'd just like to get a flavour of, you know, we're all around this table, we're all keen, we have vested interests in 3D printing, but I think it takes a, a special kind of person to, to take to it. So, you know, how did you become interested in tech general? I mean, this is, if we go around the table with this, I mean, as we've said on podcasts before, um, you know, mine was born out of a, a spectrum when someone said I couldn't do something and I set out to show them I could. Um, but mine was you know, video games and, and that sort of stuff, but I've never really let it go. What about yourself, Craig? What draw you? What's your your uh, childhood informed by something that just caught your attention? Because electrochemistry is your... Uh, your yeah, le- electrochemistry, but, you know, spectrum as well for me, you know, playing with that as well. S- similar similar to you, but I was mainly playing with a chemistry set more. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of got more back into 3D printing now with... Um, Homebrew kits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, 3D printing my own batteries now, so that's what I do. Can uh, you still buy chemistry sets? Or is it a health and safety? I've got, uh, got a big one on the seventh floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about yourself, Ed? Uh, same for me, just always drawing with 3D pictures and computers come along, spectrum come along, so I was just took to the art side of it straight away um, and just was desperate to kind of always do computer graphics working with 3d um i had a computer before the school actually so it's it's interesting what uh, phil's saying is we can see kind of history repeating itself where and we've had this conversation in the past where when i was at school government decided to give schools computers nobody knew what to do with them and teachers didn't know what to do with them and it was given to the maths department um so maths teachers didn't know what to do with it so it's interesting now that we've got the same kind of thing going on with technology again, with 3D printers. But I can see it's really nice. There seem to be a lot more teachers like Phil who were really embraced this from an early point and really taking it forward. And I think it's those kind of teachers that make the difference, bring that through and get the kids excited. Um, with, with, with all of this technology, there's a steep learning curve. And I think with the spectrum, there's programming and limitations of what you could draw and paint and things like that. So it, there was only very small groups of, of people who were initially interested. As it gets more powerful, as software gets easier. Um, and I think this is what we're at this crunch point now where we've got Fusion. And Fusion 360 is, for me, and it'll be interesting to see what Phil has to say on this, um, That that's the, the thing, for me, the key player in, in what's going on now. We've got printers that are cheaper now and more capable and patents expired and all that stuff going on. But really, if you can't get people to engage with them and use it and design and make things, then they sit there, they sit there idle. And for me, that crucial kind of door opening is Fusion 360. So interesting to hear what, what Phil has to say on, on that. Yeah, well, well, I'll follow on with that. Uh, the original question was how did I get into it? Um, I, I, I'd been teaching a few years. Um, 
uh, in my current school, um, I sort of looked around my classroom and I thought, you know, sort of haven't, hasn't really changed that much since I was at school. Mm. You know, what, what, what's going on at the moment? And I remember going home and I had a good, good old Google search about the latest technology and education and, and, and I came across 3D printing and I thought, you know, that, 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 that looks really good. I really just grabbed my attention. Um, so I sort of put in a bid with the head teacher um, to get a 3D printer. No one really knew what it was. And then then the printer arrived and, and, and obviously that's when the fun started. Um, but I think the, the, the demand, uh, sorry, not the demand, the, um, you know, the, the, the idea to get into it was really from, you know, looking around and thinking, you know, this technology can't be the same as from when I was at high school. Um, you know, what's going on? How do we, how do we sort of make it a bit more relevant? Um, so that's how it started. Um, and and then on your on your, on your point of Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty, yeah, it's amazing. It, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's probably one of the most um, easy, user friendly cab packages um, that that I've experienced and and. I've experienced quite a few, um, but nothing as um, innovative mm. and almost enjoyable. Yeah, enjoyable mm-hmm. to use. Um, I'd echo that. Yeah, CAD is it can be a nightmare sometimes, um, and and you know it's it's actually very difficult to teach the kids um, in a design technology lesson where they're used to standing up, making, cutting, sawing, filing. You know, sort of what you would associate with a traditional DT lesson, but then. To sort of put the kids on a computer and get them into CAD, you know, if it's not taught well and if you haven't got the right software, it, it, lessons can can be very very difficult. Well, just while we're on that point, when you obviously you introduced three D printing to your your classroom environment, what was the take up? Was there a, a, a difference between uh, lads, girls, or was it pretty much um, was it you know dominated by one side? Because we we found here that our, the people we've got coming through Print City is mainly girls and they're sort of very creative. Yeah, it, it, it's I would agree with you there. Um, within the sort of classroom environment, um, both boys and girls, um, yeah, they're really into it. They they both take it to it very well. Uh, in terms of the outcomes that I've experienced at GCSE, some of the best outcomes have been um, have been by girls. Um, I think the concept of working on projects for a prolonged period of time um, and really getting stuck into the CAD. Um, the, the the girls have excelled in it, and and I think it's just a as a teenager they 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 just have a bit of a longer concentration span um, and more ability to focus. When sometimes some of the lads, um, yeah, they, they they can get frustrated quite early on, um, and and they they haven't got the perseverance skills um, developed yet. Yeah, I think um, the cl- classic one, isn't it? The hospitals are filled with uh, blokes who say, hold my beer and watch this. But, <laughs> whereas a lot, a lot of the uh, girls tend to be a little bit more, uh, as you say, more best pressure attention span. So let's let's cast our minds back to last summer um, when you thought, right, I've got six weeks off. I'm going to create a website and I'm going to... What was the main driver to get it going? Uh, it was... Well, if you go back to last summer, if you'd seen what I was doing every day on my summer holidays, you would have gone, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, waking up in the morning and straight on the laptop and, you know, just planning lesson after lesson, you'd be thinking, what is he doing? Um, but I just I just had, had the vision. I just thought, that, yeah, there's nothing like this at the moment. And after the STEM Centre, the, 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 there's a demand for curriculum content. And, and 
I, I, I was always getting people emailing me on LinkedIn, uh, other teachers just asking me, you know, what do you teach on this? Um, what do you teach with 3D printers? And it, it went beyond just a single lesson. Um, there's, there's a demand for, for projects that will, that will fill a eight week carousel um, at Key Stage 3. Um, you know, there's a demand for preparing the kids for GCSE, for how can they integrate it into the major projects. So with, with all that in mind, um, yeah, I set off on six weeks of intensive uh, lesson planning um, and got the curriculum ready um, and, and, and uh, an insane amount of hours went into uh, creating the curriculum, um, unbelievable. And after that, that was only the first part. It was then to, to actually develop the platform um, and, and get this into into a format where it could be accessed by teachers and um, you know, they, when, when teachers land on the website, it, it, it's got to be a good user experience for them because you could have the best curriculum in the world, but if your website isn't up yeah, to scratch... You do need a responsive site, don't you? That yes. You can view on any, any device. And looking through the, the syllabus this morning, I was having a, was having a read, um, it's not just the design and the manufacture you go into like sustainability and environmental and so you, you know the, the whole package seems to be involved in there so um, you know as we, that's your first experience of 3D printing was yours Craig was it when you were tasked with redeveloping the, uh, <laughs> the, the on site that we have yeah pretty much <clears throat> but you know uh, I started looking at batteries um, electrochemical is my background and so realised you know, 3D printing could be a really cool way to, to make batteries that you can't make any other way. And that's really how I got into it. And then, you know, I knew about Ed. I come down to see Ed. Everyone knows about him. Um, we we, we kind of got talking. And then, you know, the project snowballed into, into Print City 1, 2, and potentially 3. So, yeah. I'm only up to two. You're going to have to tell <laughs> me about three. Can I, can I, can I just ask? So, so yeah. you're 3D printing batteries? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Come on, tell us about it. <laughs> so you, you know, you have to. Uh, it's all about the filament. You know, making the filaments from ourselves. So we make them from scratch. We can make them from uh, waste plastics. So taking graphene and, and 2D materials like that, put them into a novel filament. And it's took us about ooh, 16 months to get it right. It's not. It's not easy. You know, if it's easy, someone else would have done it before me. But we're pretty are. Uh, you know, beating everyone else to it at the moment. People are claiming they are doing it, but um, we're really ahead of the curve at the moment. And every day we're getting new results. I've got a battery test at the moment. Um, it's got something like 10% graphene in it, 90% um, plastic, the rest of it, holding a charge like a battery, and it's been running running for three months now. So it does work. And that paper was one of the top 100, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, one of the papers we've, we published on it as well was in, in the top 10% of the journal. Um, yeah, so we, we're getting some good sights from this work. Wonderful. Okay, so um, thanks, Craig. So, um, Ed, don't ask. We've only got 45 minutes. What was, <laughs> what was your first experience as a 3D printing? Well, uh, I've been working for a long time um, creating 3D visuals and fly-throughs and animations for architects and designers. And then I was working more and more with product designers who, again, it's this kind of skills gap. The product designers were designing their products in CAD um, for prototyping but they weren't print ready and I'd picked up you know just again I think we've all got the kind of in thing in common where we've got the vision foresight and we the adaptability to keep looking at new technology and new ways and new ways of doing things so I was aware of 3d print um, in the background as a you know, this kind of high-end um, industry 
but I was also then very aware of it be- becoming more and more mainstream. So I was, and then just sort of pretty much organically found myself working with designers and can, taking their work and getting it ready for them to send off to print companies um, for prototyping. So uh, just either remodeling what they'd done or taking sketches in and actually creating the CAD files and making sure they were print ready. Uh, Develop 3D was kind of instrumental for the magazine. With the you know they they've been going for several years now and just just kind of reading internet, looking at things, having a go, practicing the usual kind of self-taught um, workflow. Then uh, I worked at Hobbs Studio. So Hobbs are the UK's biggest um, 3D print bureau. They work with architects and engineers, Zaha, Deed, Arup, all these kind of big companies. And so we went into there as file fixing, again, file preparation for print, printing and working on some of the big industrial machines. So I actually came from to 3D print the opposite way to, to most people. A lot of people come in through um, a low-end FDM machine and will be printing fairly low-quality plastic parts. And I've been fortunate enough to come at it from the other end um, and have, as I've experienced and, and been able to see what's going on in industry. And then I can pass that knowledge on, hopefully, to people who are coming through and actually, and then say, you know, it's not about these kind of low quality plastic parts. There's all of this going on in the industry and this is the impact it's going to have in the future. Yeah, I noticed that you mentioned file fix in there and um, that must, you know, take up quite a lot of your hours. And what's the worst case scenario when you say, what did you make it on? And they say, <laughs> yeah, and you know, you've got to yeah, spend your time selling those triangles. Yeah. 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 Sketch, sketch up. up. Sketch yeah. Up. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all said sketch up together there. I think, um, yeah, and, and some people insist on continuing to teach. SketchUp's a great bit of software. It's in the name, it's SketchUp. Uh, it's not a great piece of software for 3D print. I know Google are adding new bells and whistles and changing this. Um, but again, this brings me back to Fusion. I've used 3ds Max, AutoCAD, all these software, well, the various software packages for, you know, they're getting to around about 30 years now. And as soon as I saw Fusion, that was the, you know, everything else was dropped. Fusion uh, is built for this workflow. And when you make something in Fusion, it's print ready. So there's very little or no file fixing. Usually there's no file fixing. It won't let you create. Um, something that, that won't print generally. It's nice to have the error check, isn't so it? So it's really, you? it's really nice. So it's really nice to be able to show a, a student how to get their ideas into the computer, and then how to very quickly take it out and get it, get it printing. In the past, we've got, you know, got people excited about it, and we've shown them software. They've struggled sometimes, uh, not been able to master the software, and then if they have mastered the software, the, the thing they've produced has been so. It's taken so much time file fixing to get it ready to print. It sort um, of um, it turns people off. Uh, people kind of move away from from the kind of the creative. They they, they see all the, the barriers instead of the creative workflow. So again, that's that's the beauty of fusion for me. It's just it's you just can draw parallels, can't you? To um, when desktop publishing came out and they yeah. call it WYSIWYG. You know what you see is what you get. It's like Fusion now. If you got it on screen, that's what you've got. That's yeah. what you're going to you know get. It's almost get. not what you're going to you hope yeah. to get, yeah. but that's yeah, what a, you would get. You know, yeah. it's, you know it's going to work as well. You know it's going to print. So that's that's sort of, I think that's the again that is the, the one of the game changes for me. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, people do insist on teaching things like um, SketchUp and telling students to keep using it. But you know, 
So back over <laughs> to uh, back over to Phil. Um, just you know, on, on your website, it's one of the things that you we sort of uh, make a point of. It's by teachers for teachers, and um, having a look what's on your site, regular assessment seems to be a, a key feature. Um, so, do individuals create the assessments, or is it like a collective moderated process? All of the um, all of the lessons have assessments built into them. Uh, so, as the teacher is teaching the lesson, uh, there's certain assessment points so they can check the learning of the students, uh, and then it all sort of builds up to a final uh, assessment uh, where the kids will be tested on on what they have done in all of the previous lessons. So, from from a from a teacher's point of view. Um, you know, if you don't assess the kids, how do you know what they've learned? And I did really focus on making sure that you know, throughout each lesson, uh, the teacher can and the students can check on their own learning to actually make sure that what they're trying to learn is, is, is right for them. Um, in each lesson pack uh, or in each lesson module, um, there's, there's differentiation. Um, so if you've got a class where you, you've got kids of lower ability in the same uh, in the same class as some kids that are very able, uh, each design challenge is differentiated. So basically, all the learners can access the learning um, w- w- without falling behind, which which is quite important because in a high school setting, uh, design and technology, it's not really setted. Um, you get maths, English, science; uh, they're they're banded uh, into ability sets, but design and technology because. It, it's not a core subject, it's an, op- an option subject. Um, you know, very rarely are, are the kids streamed. Um, so the lessons allow for allow for that wide range of kids um, all in the same classroom together, um, which, which from my point of view, I thought that's that's one of the most important things, um, get, making sure that they can all access the lessons. Um, and then you know, the assessment points are built in as well. Do you think uh, there may be ever a version that is by students for students in this sort of YouTube model with user-generated content? It would be interesting if if there was. Um, the, the the thing about students is they very rarely see the actual uh, government specification guidelines of what to teach. Um, so that's usually you know kept in the teacher's drawer. Um, what the spec involves, and then it's delivered to the kids. Uh, it would be interesting to see um, kids say take a lesson and then expand on it and, and see what they could come up with um, that that would be a very interesting uh, sort of bit of research there Big good assessment yeah. to get them yeah. to, do, to make a resource <laughs> themselves so the resource that they tried they tested and they're validated by teachers in the UK so what's, what's the process uh, Phil is, is basically on survey because obviously a trip to Australia your first uh, adopter of your material would have been very nice but it's a bit of a way to go to see what they, what they think but yeah um, before I before I put it out live um, I got a load of uh, teachers um, from through my own network to, to basically quality assure it and to check it and I made I made sure that before I sort of put myself out there to the world that um, there was a bit of collaboration from other teachers uh, input from other teachers as well um, on, on on what they want to see in a curriculum and uh, so the sort of the spine of the curriculum was created and then it was it was beta tested and uh, tweaked uh, uh, by by a, a small um, network of teachers that I'm involved with okay so <clears throat> so if you look at the curriculum for um, you know the aims for key stages three and four it looks as though you know 3d printing ticks many of the boxes if you look at the criteria um, why do you think 3D printing is such a good vehicle for this? It, it, it's essentially um, it, it's a it's a, 
a, a piece of STEM equipment. Um, it it's got scientific principles it's got mathematical principles uh, it's got design principles when you when you look at the key stage 3 content and the key stage 4 subject content it all fits in together um, the, the new specifications at key stage 4 for GCSE they involve um, 10% maths so you can act, working with coordinates when you're designing on 3D printing figuring out areas of geometry uh, in the design stages that all fits into uh, this this idea of applying mathematics to design and technology so the the, the 3d printer um, in itself yeah you, you just look at the machine and it prints the output yeah that 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 that's only one small part of it the the main learning comes in that process to get into that end point i think we couldn't underline that anymore could we we've said that all along it's great to hear that it, it's almost yeah. I'll, I'll be honest the the output is 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 not that is not the mm. important bit. Yeah. It, it's, it it's the Mona Lisa quotes yeah. again, yeah. isn't it's it? Yeah. Yeah. And as, yeah. as, as Ed said, nobody ever. What was the quote about um, oh, the statue, know. David? <laughs> the chisel. Nobody called. Uh, nobody said Michelangelo was work was chisel generated. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so um, we mentioned there the new curriculum that um, started last September. It was written in 2015. So do you think with its next iteration, they might actually, you know, write some of the subject content in, or does that first depend on 3D printing or design tech not being a, a an option and maybe being a, a core subject? Uh, written in as in terms of aims, some aims within the curriculum to to actually do some 3D printing, or does it mean that every school's got to have a 3D printer ah, right. to do that, which is uh, well, hopefully they won't do another iteration of it because it is such a such a dynamic change. Um, a lot of schools have have um, been quite stressed in the, taking the new specification on board, um, and the government did say, um, I think it was last week, that they won't be changing the uh, GCSEs for the foreseeable future because they they need to calm down. And there's been massive shift in education, especially within design technology. So the area of old resistant materials graphics textiles uh, as individual gcse's that's all gone now it's just design and technology so it's a very broad area and if you were previously a teacher that taught textiles well now you've got to, to pretty much teach everything um, so a lot of schools have, have sort of struggled with taking this on board um but so so hopefully there won't be a new iteration for for a while. But in every single exam board specification um, that outlines the subject content for the GCSEs, um, three of them specifically mention three D printing, and one of them mentions additive manufacturing. So if you're delivering lessons and you you're going to meet the new subject content, you have got to cover some aspect of 3D printing doesn't necessarily mean that there needs to be a 3D printer mm. in the class they could be CAD or yeah, yeah they, they, they could they could learn um, to design models and then they could they could outsource the models to uh, yeah. a print yeah. bureau to print off um, mm. you know you could um, learn all about 3D printing uh, designing um, but you, you, know, you could just yeah. save the files for for, for another time. Um, Craig's thinking Print City Five already. Yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> one of the things that we're doing is engaging with schools. Um, so you know that could be a way to engage a wider piece. Um, so you know, we engage with schools, colleges. Um, you know, we know we've established it's it's time to deliver. Yeah. So we're we're now going to gear up and work with people like Phil. Um, I mean, we, yeah, we've got a big range of kit, haven't we, Ed? You know, we've got. Yeah. Uh, do you want to say a bit about the kit? What we got? Yeah, we've got full. Uh, we we try and teach. So we, we're again focused on education. So we want to teach people all of the different 
technologies out there and the workflows for each of them. So we've got uh, entry-level FDM machines, FFF machines, where the students can come in and um, print off their own plastic parts. Then we've got a little bit high-end uh, stereolithography machines. We've got Form Labs, um, Form 2 machines, which are great, really high-resolution parts, multiple materials. And then we go up into the kind of in industrial-grade uh, machines. We've got uh, the Fortis uh, 360MC, which is a big machine, big industrial machine, so we can teach not only how to print with these things, but how the actual interface works, how the software works, the workflow, what kind of things you can and can't print on each machine. And then right up to the Mark Forge machines where we've got composites we're able to print with uh, Kevlar composites, carbon fibre, really nice, uh, strong industrial grade parts. Again, different workflows, different methods of design, different software. So all of this needs to be taught and it's continually changing, continually evolving. And we've got, we've got two X7s, haven't we? We've got two X7s. And we've got metal coming. We've got a metal printer. Yeah. Hopefully we've got, we're probably going for the uh, Metal X, mm -hmm, Mark Forge mm -hmm. Metal X. Yeah. So yeah, again, we can... Not only uh, teach students, pupils, members of staff this, mm -hmm. we can engage with the wider industries, SMEs, bring them in and uh, offer a kind of consultancy um, service as well because they can come and literally try it before they buy it. Um, in the past, companies have, some companies have engaged with this very expensive technology and then um, found it hasn't really met their needs or they haven't been able to utilise it or get their money back. So. Uh, it's much, you know, much better if they can come and try all these different technologies, see what workflow fits their needs, and then which piece of equipment. Um, so hopefully that's that's kind of our our gap, you know, providing the knowledge. And I think skills. it's uh, an important for all of us around the table here that when you when it's an educational setting, there's there's certain boxes you have to tick. And we went to TCT, didn't we, Ed? And we yeah. saw there was a, a printer which. Um, a metal printer which was very affordable but not much use in an educational environment no. because of the the metal dust and you know yeah. filtering and yeah. you'd have to have a safe room and yeah it's massive know. that and yeah. and uh, i think a lot of companies are going to be playing catch up with the health and safety mm -hmm. side of things yeah. in with, with schools um there's a lot of research going into actually what emissions that 3d printers yeah. give off and mm -hmm how to make sure that if you're 3d printing in the classroom it, it, it is safe for kids um yeah. and yeah, the, the printer companies, they, they just want to get their units into classrooms and they want to make the money as fast as possible. But, you know, safety is the number one driver uh, for the classroom. And, you know, if, if the companies don't really put safety first, um, ultimately they, they, they won't really progress within an educational setting. So look, maybe going forward, the next version of 3D printers for education will be a fully enclosed unit with yeah. that you can lock and keep fully tinkering enclosed, hands away. Lock. Mm -hmm. um, extractors or, or or hepa filters built in um yeah it's something that the kids can they can see the process um but for a safety point of view um that they're not able to to get their hand in um if you're a teacher in a classroom and little johnny decides to poke an extruder that's 250 mm -hmm. degrees yeah. you got a problem when you're i did that last week it's not just little johnny <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean having said that um you know, price is going to be a big factor, isn't it? For price schools, is so you're looking yeah. at FDM printers, uh, mainly the entry point. Because I guess if, if a school is going to put its toe in the water as regards 3D printers, it's not going to spend, you know, 20000 or oh, more. No. They'll, they'll start with the... Yeah. The they, they, unfortunately, the sort of uh, times we're in at the moment, price dictates everything in mm -hmm. school. Um, and a lot of teachers who are maybe unsure of of 
actually putting printers into classrooms and um, they can't blow the budget on a even on a one thousand pound machine they'll, mm-hmm. they'll they'll be looking at cheaper machines so um it's not so much of a risk yeah a, a teacher's budget for a year in an average high school could range from two thousand pound to even less or, or even more depends on on where you teach um so if you take into account a 3d printer that costs a thousand pound uh that could just blow half your budget so it, it, it depends on, on what you've got really in your coffers to spend, but a lot of teachers are going um, for the sort of lower-end printers um, as their first printer, and then you, know, you see second-generation adopters uh, a few years later are then going to more expensive units. Well, you've got about another three months till you get your next six weeks off. What are you going to do with that one? Next six weeks <laughs> off, uh, plan Singapore. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, I, I, it just, just um, you know... Keep keep working on the site. Keep um, keep promoting the site. Keep expanding mm-hmm. it. It's sort of got legs of its own at the moment. Um, where you know I'll come home from school and there'll be contacts, there'll be inquiries. Um, there's always work to do on it. Um, I'm going to develop the curriculum more. It's got to be updated on a on an annual annual setting. Um, you know, Cura. Um, they they update their software all the time. So since the summer, they've put about five or six new versions out so uh, this summer i'll update the uh, slicing lessons so they're using the latest version of cura okay well it's um been wonderful to meet you phil uh, we can follow you on twitter using learn by layers yes. without spaces and you can visit your website at www.learnbylayers.com so many thanks phil for joining us thank you very thank much you, okay